Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, it is thrilling to be here with y'all today. First of all, a shout out to the students at David Thibodeau STEM Magnet Academy, where I was a substitute teacher today, who said they listen to the show. If you are listening either now or on the podcast version of the show, thank y'all for listening. I appreciate it. Anybody out there listening uh, in your after-school traffic, like we mentioned during the traffic update, several accidents out there. Y'all, please be careful driving. Do not want to see uh, any accidents with injuries popping up on the map. All right, so at several points recently, I've made it my mission to bring up grifting within the GOP at every chance I can. And I've actually gotten some pushback. Some people have have pushed back against it. They've been, why are you so hard on the GOP? You're a conservative. You're supposed to be voting with with these outs. First of all, I don't play for a team. Yes, the GOP, most of their politicians believe the same things I do, but I'm not here to carry water for the GOP. And in fact, I believe that the only way a side can truly be worth mentioning and be worth affiliating with even tangentially when I vote for their candidates is to hold them accountable when they screw up. And so I've been big on the grifting thing lately. Well, last night, my boss at Red State, Jennifer Van Lahr, who was a great investigative journalist, posted a very deep breakdown of some expenditures at the Republican National Committee. Now, the RNC has been led since 2017 by Ronna McDa- uh, Ronna Romney McDaniel. Ronnie, she's, a, she's a Romney she goes by Ronna McDaniel, but she is part of the Romney clan. Uh, does not seem to be very closely affiliated because she is, she, she's been a big supporter of Trump, and Mitt Romney obviously hasn't been. But the, the RNC, since she has taken over, the RNC under her leadership, this is the RNC's own numbers. They've raised over $1.5 billion. And they also tout the fact that under Ronna McDaniel, Rona McDaniel, they've brought in over 2.5 million new donors. What do they have to show for that? Because ever since she's taken over, the GOP has been losing elections. And now we see that of those billions of dollars that have been brought in, millions of it went to expenditures that don't quite make sense as part of a campaign apparatus. Let me just give you a breakdown of some of what the money was being spent on. According to filings with the Federal Elections Commission, $3.1 million on private jet services. $1.3 million on limousine and chauffeur services. $17.1 million on donor mementos. $750,000 on floral arrangements. $80,000 in alcohol-related expenditures. Part of the problem, however is that some of the 
some of these transactions also appear to be misclassified. For example, an office expense under the RNC's uh, classification includes $5,000 spent in 22 at Lululemon, a luxury athletic apparel brand. There were two expenditures totaling $9,300 at Madison Square Gardens. Nearly $400,000 spent on event tickets and other entertainment activities, including $30,000 for a private box at a Las Vegas Raiders game. Under what scenario, first of all, would it be worth spending any money on a Las Vegas Raiders game? But second of all, who is that benefiting? What candidate does that benefit? Does that help? $13,000 for Broadway shows, $9,400 on Madison Square, Square Garden, 43000 at top golf locations in Texas, Nevada, Virginia, and Maryland. Is it any wonder that former Louisiana GOP chair, now a member of the Republican National uh, Committee, Roger Villiers, saying, no, we need new leadership? Is it any wonder that Texas and several other state GOP are saying, no, we need new leadership? There were senior staff retreats held at Salamander, Salamander Resort and Spa in Virginia in 2021 and 2022. That's according to an RNC staffer. A national committee member also said that the 2021 retreat held in March, uh, held from March 19th to the 21st, 30 senior staffers and their families attended, and the RNC paid for Katie Walsh and Mike Shields to speak to the group. The FEC filings show that the RNC paid $260,000 to the resort in 2021 and 2022, classified as travel expenses and venue, rental, and catering. Now, I ask you to look at 2018, 2020, and 2022 and tell me how much of that money do you think was well spent? And again, I go back to something that I said last week and something that I've actually been asked to go on other radio stations and talk about around the country. The fact that the establishment, the consultant class, all these people who collect all this money for the RNC and the NRSC and all these super PACs, they get all of this money and they get use it to finance themselves. They use it to make sure they get theirs at the expense of the actual candidates who are running for the Republican Party. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Rona McDaniel has to go. The Republican Party in every single location, every single level, has failed. There are state-level GOPs that have utterly failed. The national level has failed. Affiliated groups like the NRSE have failed. Super PACs have failed. And the Republican Party seems hell-bent on keeping the course, on staying the course they're on, because they refuse to learn a lesson. There will be no 
victory that is meaningful or long-lasting for the GOP so long as they keep these same people in charge of their finances. I used to be somebody who thinks, well, government should be run like a business. Except businesses, the big businesses, have CEOs who spend their money exactly like the RNC does. So what would be the difference? It truly is mind-boggling that the Republican Party is so hell-bent on making sure the people at the top get theirs before anybody else could actually benefit from Republican governance. Before any candidate can actually win the elections that the Republican Party needs to win. The grift continues as long as Rona McDaniel, as long as all these other people are at the top of the party. A coach in the SEC, a buddy of mine, Eric Erickson, mentioned this in an interview with Axios. An SEC coach with her record would have been fired long ago. In the real world, that's what happens. When you have a losing record that that's, that's that bad, you get fired. But the Republican Party is rallying the troops to keep her and others in power. Kevin McCarthy will stay in power because he's rounding up the moderates to push back against the conservatives who want to make sure that McCarthy, who is a pragmatist, career ladder climber, stays in power and gets control of the House of Representatives. McCarthy has no love for the conservative side except to use them to get power. He has used Donald Trump's name. He has used the conservatives. He's used conservative talking points all to climb the ladder to Speaker of the House, and he will do absolutely nothing that's conservative while he's there except when he needs to in order to make sure he keeps his power. Mitch McConnell, who inarguably did more to help conservatives than McCarthy or the RNC or the NRSC, is still somebody who's been in Washington, D.C. too long and also needs to be kicked out. All of these people at the top of the Republican Party have done so much to make sure that it cannot move on. And it makes me mad because there are good people who run as Republicans who should be in office and they cannot get into office because of the incompetence that the party apparatus displays time and time again. The GOP needs to clean house. But they can't because the people who are in charge of the house are the ones who are the problem. And there's nobody willing to step up. There's a good conservative lawyer, Harmeet Dillon, who is challenging Rona McDaniel for speaker. Also, Mike Lindell, the MyPillow guy, is challenging for speaker, but nobody's actually paying any attention to him. Harmeet Dillon would be a great leader of the RNC. But Rona McDaniel is rallying the troops. Kevin McCarthy rallying the troops. All of these people are rallying the troops to make sure the people who have been in charge of the inept GOP stay there. Rona McDaniel, Kevin McCarthy, those two are the best thing that could happen to the Democratic Party. Because it means that the Republican Party cannot grow, cannot get stronger if they stay in charge. 
232-1542. If you want to call in, be part of the conversation. You can also send a message through the KPL app chat. We're going to go ahead and take this break. When we come back, of course, your calls and some more of the news of the day right here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. So about Kevin McCarthy, he's using moderate Republicans in order to fight back against a push from the House Freedom Caucus. The House Freedom Caucus is the the furthest right conservative wing of House Republicans. And right now they're trying to put in steps that would basically prevent him from becoming speaker or make it easier to get rid of him if he screws up. The House Freedom Caucus is demanding that the House Republicans keep a controversial maneuver called the motion to vacate in place. The motion to vacate would allow any member of the House at any time to force a vote that can oust the speaker. They see this as a tool to keep McCarthy in check. As I've said, Kevin McCarthy has no ideology. He is a career ladder climber. All he does is attain power and fight to keep that power and fight to grow that power. He has done so in California where he is making sure his friends get elected to California GOP leadership in places of power in California where Republicans can win elections. And he's done so in the House, putting his allies in key positions. A motion to vacate being an available tool means that he has to listen to conservatives or else. He sees that as a headache. He also sees it as the reason John Boehner got kicked out. And John Boehner, of course, was another guy who had power, was not very conservative, and was a constant thorn in the side of conservatives who were trying to move the ball down the field. McCarthy appears, and this is from Politico, McCarthy appears to be carefully positioning himself to say to his right flank, sorry, your own colleagues won't support such a demand. Having them play bad cop on anything from the motion to vacate to possibly a future debt ceiling shutdown, for example, could keep McCarthy up to be seen as the good cop, a reasonable deal maker, trying to find a path forward between warring factions. McCarthy wants to be the good cop. Time and time again, when a Republican wants to be a good cop or wants to be seen as uh, the the guy who can make the deals and everything like that. What that means in media speak is that this is the guy who's going to go to the Democrats, say, what do you want and how can I give it to you without making my own side too mad and essentially capitulates. When you play tug of war, there's a flag in the middle and your job is to get the flag all the way over to one side. What Kevin McCarthy and people like Kevin McCarthy like to do is let the flag start on the Democrat side and then pull back a little bit and say, we won some concessions, but really you started further to the left than you would have if you had started as far on your side as possible. And nothing really gets done that conservatives really want. McCarthy, John Boehner, 
Mitch McConnell, these guys always seed the ground early in order to try to look reasonable rather than actually fight for a real victory that would mean something to the people in his own party. This is the modern way of Republicans doing it. Remember, back when Ronald Reagan was in power, both sides always walked away saying they got something done. But that's because they started in the middle and each side got something taken away. That's what we should be doing, and that's what they're not doing. All right, when we get back, there's a TikTok story out there I need to talk about. If you've got kids on TikTok, you need to be aware of this story. That and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5, KPEL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5, KPEL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. You can also send a message through the KPEL app chat. If you've got the app up in the top corner, I think it is, there's a little, uh, little like text message looking icon. You open that, you select general discussion, yeah, uh, general message, and you can send a message to the show, and I, I try to respond to those on the air when I see them. All right, so talked a lot about TikTok. And, and for the record, again, I am a TikTok user. I am one of what the company says is more than a billion users on the app. I understand the national security risks. I understand that there is a lot of personal information risk with it. I minimize as much of that as possible, but I'm also a social media junkie and I use these apps a lot. I don't put out a whole lot of information or anything out there to, you know, because I don't want that taken by the Chicoms or whatever. But it's it's impossible to avoid all of that, particularly when you're trying to look at the things that are trending and look at the things that affect our kids so often. It's actually, I think, important to track what these apps are doing, not just through news reports, but actually by experiencing it. However, if you have teenagers, particularly young teens, there is a story in the New York Times that you need to be aware of. TikTok appears to be pushing videos about eating disorders and self-harm to 13-year-old users at a rapid clip, researchers said on Wednesday, raising new concerns about the service's influence on young people. TikTok tailors a stream of short videos to people based on their interests, view times, and the accounts they follow. It starts recommending content tied to eating disorders and self-harm to 13-year-olds within 13 minutes of their joining the platform and sometimes in as little as three minutes, according to a report on Wednesday from the Center for Countering Digital Hate, a nonprofit organization. Once young viewers viewed and liked content about body image and mental health, TikTok automatically recommended related videos to them every 39 seconds, according to the researchers. To test the app, the researchers set up eight accounts in August, posing as 13-year-olds, the minimum age for users, in the United States, Britain, Australia, and Canada. The pathways into extreme content were so innocuous, Imran Ahmed, chief executive of the Center for Countering Digital Hate, said in an interview. Your eye might be caught by a video of an aspirational body in beautiful clothes, and very quickly the algorithm realizes you're interested in body image. Some of the test accounts saw, promote, saw videos promoting junkorexia, a slang term 
or people with anorexia who only eat junk food, and others from users talking about suicide or featuring razor blades. The researchers found that many videos promoted eating disorders through hashtags using code words in an effort to avoid moderation and that harmful videos sat alongside more positive ones about recovery. For example, people have used hashtag Ed Sheeran disorder to tag posts about eating disorders while appearing to talk about the pop singer. Now, to be fair, TikTok is not the only app that targets young users and spreads a lot of fear and anxiety about social, uh, about so about society, about the culture around you, and about body image. Instagram, for example, uh, Instagram was ruled. Uh, it was ruled that Instagram and other social media platforms contributed to the 2017 suicide of a girl named Molly Russell who was so impacted by body image issues, particularly as they pertain to what she saw on the app. Last year, leaked documents from a former employee of Meta, the parent organization of Facebook and, and Instagram, detailed research inside the company that suggested teenage girls were suffering body image issues when using Instagram. As well, a Wall Street Journal investigation in 2021 found that teens were inundated with dangerous weight loss videos, including tips on how to consume less than 300 calories per day on TikTok. The news program 60 Minutes recently reported that young users of Douyin, ByteDance's version of TikTok that is, that is available in China, are served educational and patriotic content and limited to just 40 minutes of time on it per day. These apps, the algorithms, can be used in a way that causes a severe negative impact on kids. Your kids. My kids. My kids don't have a phone. I'm going to be fighting that battle in a couple years. Can't wait. I am a social media junkie. I use it all the time. I use Twitter because it's a way to promote the stuff that I'm writing here and at Red State. Facebook, trying to build an audience there with y'all. Instagram, because I like posting pictures of the stuff I cook and my kids. And TikTok, because I like scrolling through stupid videos. Snapchat, the other apps, all those. I have accounts on a lot of them. But it's important to understand that whereas I, a 34-year-old, understand what algorithms do and understand these social pressures, an 11, 12, 13, 14, even 16, 17, and 18-year-old don't understand all that. They have some technological knowledge because they grow up with more technology when they're younger than we did when we were growing up. But they're still way behind on how society and culture, psychology, and technology all interact on social media. And it is becoming a problem. I've mentioned before, my, my theory 
on why you're seeing such an explosion of kids identifying as transgender now is because during the COVID-19 pandemic, when a lot of kids were at home, they weren't allowed to go out. They weren't allowed to socialize with their friends. They weren't able to be in school. They were on these social media apps where you have a lot of these influencers who are telling them and pushing them to go ahead, make that change. You aren't who you think you are. If you feel this way, you're definitely transgender. Go ahead and accept your identity. And culture, our culture surrounding that, has gone all in on accepting it. And we're seeing more and more kids flip-flop between it. We're seeing more and more kids who are detransitioning. But that is part of the body image problem. That is part of the social pressure that comes from social media. When you have so-called perfect bodies, activists, people who claim to be experts, influencers all around giving your kids these messages over and over and over again, it negatively impacts the kids. And as a result, you're seeing a lot of problems in schools, in society, because there are kids who are genuinely unsure of who they are anymore because social media has forced them to rethink their identity. Not because they feel like their identity is wrong, but because social media told them their identity is wrong. Through social media, kids are gaslighting themselves into a self-identity that is harmful. TikTok starts recommending content tied to eating disorders and self-harm to kids 13 years old within 30 minutes of their joining the platform, according to this report. This isn't some, as, as there have been media reports that have suggested, this isn't some right-wing ban TikTok thing. This is a legitimate technological, social, and psychological issue that we are facing. And I say we because parents are facing it, kids are facing it, their peers are facing it, teachers and principals in schools are facing it. If you know a teacher, ask them how many kids in their classes have said, I I want you to call me this because I identify as such and such now. They may not tell you the exact number because teachers can't really talk about their kids outside of school. But I can guarantee you, if you know a teacher, they're going to say, oh, we've noticed a lot. We've noticed that change. Because there is social pressure not coming from their peers, not coming from the people that they interact with every day, but coming from the people that they go home to at night and scroll through their phone to see. I'm not advocating banning social media or any of that. I'm not advocating take away your kids' phones. But I am advocating that you really, really, really need to pay attention to what your kids are doing on the Internet. 
And a lot of parents aren't. A lot of parents will start young allowing tablets and phones to essentially babysit their kids. And when you let that get out of control, you're letting those kids get sucked in to these online communities. How many stories have we seen of kids who were radicalized and then go up and cause a mass shooting because of the online community they joined? How many kids are we seeing that are transitioning and detransitioning? How many kids are we seeing that are taking part in activities that are dangerous? Doing stupid trends on TikTok, like hijacking Kias and Hyundais. How many kids are committing self-harm because of what they've been told and what they've experienced through social media? We as a society have grown detached from the rest of society. We are now more connected than ever, but not to the people around us. We are more connected to each other through the phone, through these apps. We need to save our kids. Because if we don't, we're going to see a lot more tragedy in the future. And again, I say that as a parent, as a teacher, as somebody who uses social media a lot. I don't want to see our kids suffer because of what we've allowed them to experience through unchecked social media use and unchecked time on that phone. 232-1542, let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, of course, your calls, your messages through the app chat, and some more of the news of the day right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. All right. I have to prepare myself for this one. I can't not talk about the story. I wanted to. I wanted to avoid talking about it, but I can't not talk about it. Donald Trump announced that for $99, you can buy a pack of digital collector's cards featuring him. And they aren't just him. One of them is him ripping open his shirt and there's a like a Superman type logo underneath. One is him in like a cowboy outfit. I'm sorry, y'all. Do not buy NFTs. Donald Trump is asking his supporters to pay $99 for digital Pokemon cards of himself. That's what it is. And if you buy them, you get a chance to be on a Zoom call with him or go golfing at one of his resorts or anything like that. Do not buy NFTs 
from anybody. It is a scam. It is a grift. And y'all know how I feel about grift. Yesterday, he teased a major announcement. And the first thing he, he said on, on the 15th, I will have a major announcement. And the very first announcement, he had two announcements today. To be fair, he had two announcements today. But the very first one was that he is going to sell NFTs. He is going to sell these digital cards. And if you want them and you go to collecttrumpcards.com, you can see the promo video for them and you can buy these NFTs. Do, don't, don't do it. It's a campaign contribution to Trump. It's, it's, a, it's a way for him to fundraise. Please, for the love of God, do not do it. I am begging all of you. The other announcement Trump made today is that he now has a free speech platform. He, he, he's, he's talking about those free speech issues when it comes to online. You know, Twitter has been all, you know, Elon Musk bought Twitter and is talking about free speech, the, the platform being able to say what you want and things like that. And the left is mad about it. Uh, talking about big tech censorship of conservatives, things like that. He's got this platform out there for, 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 for free speech. That's not going to win him anything. A very small portion of voters care about that. Voters are more concerned with the issues that are happening in front of them right now. I don't know. I have to keep saying it. I know, and I'm sorry, but it's true. The voters don't care about that near as much as they care about crime, immigration, the fentanyl crisis, all of these other issues. Releasing a free speech platform will be as effective as Bobby Jindal releasing a healthcare platform in 2016. Nobody paid attention to it. It does nothing to get him support. All right, y'all. Have a good one. I will talk to you again in 23 hours. Technically about 23 hours and 8 minutes if you take the ads and everything into account. But 23 hours and 8 minutes, I will talk to you again. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. And, of course, sign up for Substack, JoeCunninghamShow.substack.com. Shannon is offsides next here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.